0: Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit SozoSMTX.com. Come on now, was that not inspiring? You know, I, I don't know that I've ever heard a David and Goliath message quite like that. If you weren't here, I want to encourage you to download that and take a listen to it. I promise you, it will inspire you. And it'll give you a different perspective. How many of you know that when you have the right perspective on something, you really can move mountains? If, if, you, don't, if you don't have the right perspective, you're already in a bad way. You know, I love what First John says. It says that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And everyone who is in God overcomes the world. And so we're part of that everyone. Because Jesus came, made a way for us. We are part of that and so I just want to encourage you, uh, in this study we're talking about David. Everybody say David. David, David was a pretty incredible guy. And uh, we're going to kind of pick up the pace here. David, what we've, he's just had an incredible, incredible victory over Goliath. And as he is holding up the head of Goliath, he throws it at the feet of the Philistines. And they begin to scatter like mice. The scripture says that they... Uh, began to to go back home, and all of a sudden there was newfound courage. There's newfound confidence in the Hebrews. They all of a sudden they got really, really uh, charged up at what David had done, and they began to follow them. And they said there was bodies strewn on the road all the way to Gath and Ekron. That's a long way. Just dead by. How many of you are a little nauseated when you hear that story? Honestly, how many of you know the Bronze Age is not the same? age that we live in today. And as you're looking at David's life, it's not an apples to apples picture. Okay, We're going to look at marriage in just a little bit in the story and you'll realize it's for sure not the same as it is today. So David is uh, the guy that, I mean he is the hero of heroes. Comes back to town and everybody is lifting up their glass, they're giving a toast not to King Saul who was the big-time warrior, but they're giving a toast to David. David, the young teenage kid, he becomes an idol. He becomes the first teen idol that we know about. In fact, fact, there was a song that was written on him. Y'all remember that song? It went something like this, I'm pretty sure. It says, uh, how'd it go? Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed his ten thousands. Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed ten thousands. Something like that. Saul has killed ten thousand. All right, anyway, you get the idea. So they were singing. It was the number one hit in all the land. In fact, they said they had dances going on. People are dancing to that song. And so David becomes the guy of the day. Now. His celebrity status shoots out the roof, but he also becomes one of the ten most wanted men by the king of Israel. In fact, he's the number one most wanted man in all of Israel. Can I tell you, jealousy can be a killer, literally. Have you ever thought about who you're, you can become jealous of? Jealousy will make you do really, really crazy things. But the people we're usually jealous of are the people who have our same vocation. They they like the things we like. They're good at the things that we do. They have the same goals in life. And all of a sudden, this little harmless kid who was tending sheep not so long ago is the number one enemy of Saul. Because Saul, the king, the great king, the head and shoulders above every man, now has a threat in his life. Somebody who's taken the affection, who's taken the attention from him as king and put it on young David. And so that's, that's what our story is today. The height of celebrity to the depths of despair in a cave in Adullam. That's, where, that's, that's will be the story that we're going to look at today. How many of you know that life is not just one straight line uh, up to the right? I mean, it's not your trajectory doesn't go like this. It usually is like something like this, right? And so David is at the height of fame and success, but things are getting ready to get rough for him. I want to go back just a second before I leave the, the giant slaying thing. Can, can I say, you know, you know what the secret to being a giant killer is? First of all, understanding that you're not the underdog, yeah. that you're the victor, that you have all you have to do is learn how to fight. But, but I, I think David shows us something. You've got to finish the job. Okay? Da- David didn't just do the sling thing and poof, hit the enemy, knock him down. David finished the job. See, I think a lot of times whenever we have obstacles in our lives, we have fear in our life, we have things in our life, we give it a good blow and we get a victory for a minute, but we don't take it out. We don't cut its head off. We don't end the thing. See, because David realized that if he didn't take Goliath out right then, Goliath and all of his giant brothers could come back with a vengeance. It's kinda like I had a friend tell me a story. He said, he said, there's this guy, he kept having cobwebs in his house. They were just, he knocked the cobweb down and it kept coming back, and he'd knock it down and it kept coming back. And finally he told the guy, he said, look, you're gonna continue to have cobwebs until you kill the spider. Some of us just need to kill the spider. So, I also need to cut the head off the giants and say, it's done, okay? So, that's free. Some of you have already done that. If you had not done it, do it, okay? So, David is the most famous person in the land. And the interesting thing is, we, we kind of live 3,000 years after the fact. And so, we have, we have insight as to what's going on, but in real time... They didn't know who the, the successor to the throne would be. There wasn't a line of succession. Saul was the first king of Israel. And so maybe it would be Jonathan, his son. Or maybe there was someone else who would be anointed to be king. So Saul, the scripture tells us, he, uh, jealousy turns into a rage which turns into demonization. There's a spirit on him, and he is just violent. You remember the guy? I mean, he must have just carried a spear around with him all the time. Because, I mean, you see him trying to pin somebody to the wall. He's probably pretty good with that thing. They would call David in. David was the young shepherd boy with, with the harp, and he would calm the savage beast down. And, and so he calls him in one day. We pick up the story in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19. And it says an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul, verse 9, as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand and David was playing the lyre, and Saul tried to pin him to the wall with the spear but David eluded him. As Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night David planned his escape. David knew he had to get out of town. He knew that things had really shifted for him. And so we see... The introduction of his wife. Now, his wife is a girl by the name of Michael. Michael is a girl in this story. Okay, and Michael was one of the gals who happens to be Saul's daughter. Saul had promised David if he defeated the, the uh, Goliath, that he would give him a bride. One of his daughters would become the bride. Michael was the daughter who was in love with the teen idol, and so we are introduced to a little bit of what culture was like. You know, you know in the Bronze Age, you, you, know, you see multiple wives, concubines, and a bride price. So David and Saul come together. They have a meeting, and, and he says, Listen, here's what I, I, I want for the bride price. I want a thousand Philistine foreskins. If you're not grossed out yet, just, just you know... And so David said, oh, no, that's no problem. He said, she's worth 200 And So here's what Saul is thinking. Saul's thinking, look, maybe this kid just got lucky when he took the giant out. But if I send him into war, even though I haven't been able to take him out myself with a spear or anything else, I'm going to send him into war. And these Philistines, he's going to face this mighty army. There's no way. He'll be able to survive. And then my nemesis, my enemy, will be done in. One thing Saul didn't get. David is a magnet for the supernatural. Hello? Everywhere David goes, God goes with him. Everywhere he shows up, the supernatural happens. Whether it's in his music, whether it's a lion, whether it's a bear, whether it's a Goliath. All along the way, God is with him. The favor of God is on him. He is the anointed one of God. So, David completes the mission. Can you imagine? He brings back the request, drops it at Saul, and he has a wife. Scripture continues in 1 Samuel 19, and it says, Saul sent men to David's hands to watch house to watch and kill him in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, warned him. She said, Listen, I, I know what's going on. You're going to have to get out of here now. We don't even have till tomorrow. There's a group coming after you, David. So she she does what any good wife would do. She takes care of him and fakes. You know, you've seen this on TV. She puts an idol or a graven image and some goat hair in his bed to make it look like he is in there sleeping. When they come for him, she says, oh, he's ill. They go in there, they find that they're very mad. Now, here's something I want you to see. Saul comes to his daughter, Michael, and he is just enraged. And he says, why did you do this? Why did you help? Uh, him out, why did you not tell me that David had, had flown? Why did you help him out? And what does she say? She says, well, I, I was afraid that he would kill me. He said, if I don't do what he says, if David said, said if I don't do what he says, he's going to kill me. Now ladies, I want to, I this is for the, those of you who are not yet married, okay? Those of you ladies. If you are daddy's girl, you're daddy's princess in this case, there will come a time in your life that if you ever want to become a queen, you're going to have to break away from daddy and become the wife of your husband. Okay? And so she doesn't break away from daddy. She You'll see this whole turbulent thing between daddy's girl, David's wife. And in the end, Saul wins out. So Saul is, David is on the run now. Now, I want you to get this. I want you to see the progression of what's going on. Hero loved by everyone has a mad king who wants to kill him. In chapter 24, it says, Saul hired 3,000 men whose sole job was to chase after David to kill him. And so now for the next 10 to 13 years, David is going to be on the run. But David is going to learn some lessons while he is on the run that are going to prepare him to be king. Can I tell you, whatever difficulty you go through has purpose because it's the difficult times that you go through that prepare you to rule and reign. Okay? And so what is going on here? He goes, and the first place he runs off to is a good place. He goes to his mentor's place in Ramah. Uh, he goes to Samuel's place. Remember, Samuel, Samuel was the guy who anointed him as king? He goes there, and I want you to follow along with me here in um, 1 Samuel 19, verse 18. It says, David fled. And made his escape. He went to Samuel in Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to uh, Naiah and stayed there. Word came to Saul. David's in Naiah and in Ramah, over at Ramah. And so he sends people to capture him. Now listen to this. This Niah place, was it was kind of a mystical, really Holy Ghost place. It says that when they saw uh, a group of prophets, Samuel had this school of the prophets, these guys that, that he was training, that he was equipping. He said, the school of the prophets were prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, and the Spirit of God came on Saul's men. All these guys who had come to capture David, and they also prophesied. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, you know, the enemy coming after you, and they come in to your space. They come into your culture. They come into your house. They come into your place, and the Spirit of God nails them. Now, that, now, shouldn't that be our culture? When people walk through, they say, whoa, what's whoa, something going on in here? You know, when they walk into your house. You know, they go, whoa, what's going on? When they walk into your business, whoa, this office is different. And they come in there, and these guys begin to prophesy. What do you think they were prophesying? I think it was something like this. Oh, Jehovah God, you are awesome, you are great, and David is your king. Right? These guys come back, and they're, you know, kind of ministering to their shoes. They stand before Saul. He sends another bunch. Guess what happens? Same thing, the presence of God is so strong they begin to prophesy. says a third group, same thing. Finally, Saul says, you know if if, any, if I'm going to get this done i'm going to have to do it myself. Now, I want you to see this. Saul goes himself verse twenty three he went to Nioth at Ramah, but the spirit of God came. Even on him. Can I tell you, there is no person beyond the reach of the Spirit of God. Can I tell you, Jesus came, he died, he pardoned, he made a way for everyone to know him. Even even those who are unsuspecting and don't even... How many of you were... God snuck up on you. (laughs) Jehovah Sneaky got you. You know? You're just kind of doing your own life, and all of a sudden, whoa, God got you. Saul walks in, and it says he walked along prophesying until he came up to, to Nath. I mean, he, was, he hadn't even got there, and already the, the Lord was working on him, stripped off all of his clothes. He, he's naked, and he's prophesying in Samuel's presence. He laid naked all day All night, and this is why the people say Saul is among the prophets. What do you think Saul was prophesying? David is king, the anointed of God. Can you imagine that? And David is there in supernatural security. Why in the world would he leave Nioth? Well, fear, panic has a way of making us do things that in our right mind we know we shouldn't do. What do you think he was thinking when he heard Saul prophesying? He knew that the Spirit of God was showing people that he was the guy. But even still, he panics and he leaves that place of security. Go with me to chapter 21. And I'm I'm going somewhere with this because before you get to the cave, you need to see how he got to the cave. What the condition of him was that he got to the cave. He leaves perfect security. How many of you think he probably should have stayed there in Ramah and Niath, where the presence of God was strong? Sometimes the Lord will make us leave, but can I tell you, it needs to be the Lord telling us to leave. I think it's fear that makes him leave. He ends up in... Uh, chapter 21 in the city of Nob I don't know maybe it was short for doorknob I, I don't know he so they went to Nob to Ahimelech the priest and when David gets there the priest looks at him and he says you know what can I help you and he goes yeah I'm gonna need some food and I'm gonna need a weapon I mean he left in such a hurry that he didn't have any provisions and, and he goes what, what, are you, what is going on here? And he says, Well, I'm on a secret, it's a highly secret mission for the king. And in fact, I've got some guys that I need to feed them. And the priest ends up going to the showbread, the table of showbread, and he gives him the bread from there. And he said, I, I don't have any weapons, but, well, I do. I have one weapon it's the sword of Goliath. And David is thinking, ah, the sword of Goliath. And so he gives him the sword of Goliath. Well, kind of, you never know who's watching what you do. Kind of off to the side, there in the priestly tabernacle area was a guy who was named Doeg. He he worked for Saul. He was one of Saul's men. And he was watching what's going on. He says, he reports back to Saul. He says, we found him. Keep that one in your mind. So David departs. He, he knows he's about to be found out. He's on the run. And we finally come to the scripture I want us to look at together. Do we have it up there? Can we put it up? This is in 1 Samuel 21 verse 10. And it says, that day, you ever wonder how you you find yourself in a place? This is how you find yourself in, in where you're at. That day David fled from Saul and he went to Achish, the king of Gath. Do you know who Achish, the king of Gath, is? He is the king, the leader of the Philistines. Gath is the city that Goliath is from. David has run for shelter and rescue. I mean, he, he, he left the place where the Holy Ghost meeting was going, and he ends up in the home of Goliath. How, how many of you understand that they were not real happy to see him? You know, they didn't throw a ticker tape parade for David when he showed up. It says that, verse 11, he says, But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? That's interesting. David, the king of the land. Isn't he the one that they sing that song? You know, the popular song that they sing uh, about in their dances. Saul has killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousand. You know, they, they were saying, that's the guy. And David took these words to heart and said, and was very much afraid. He was afraid of Achish, the king of Gath, so he pretended to be insane. While he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on on the doors of the gate, letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look at this man. This guy's insane. Why would you bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? I'm the king. Must this man come into my house? You see how shortly David went from being a hero to a madman? Fear will do that till you want it. It'll cause you to act irrationally. It goes back to the message we heard last week about getting perspective on who we really are. Remember the question that Saul asked of David Who's, Whose house is this guy from? Who's his daddy? You know, you, know, you are more than, you know, I'm, I'm Steve, son of Leon, but I'm much more than that. I've been in, adopted into the family of God. I am a child of the Most High King. David, when he knew that, he was unstoppable. But like us, David, under the pressure, slipped a little bit. Look! Look at the next verses here. If we put those up there, in um, chapter twenty-two, David escaped. He left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers' and father's household heard about it, they went down there. And all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay there with you? Until I learn what the Lord will do for me. Isn't that a great phrase? I need to learn. I need to just pull aside and say, God, what is going on? What will you do for me? I've made such a mess of my life. We've all been there. I don't know how to untangle this rat's neck. I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no idea what to do. Now, I want us to take just a little bit of time to look at the cave and what that was like. Because David is there, and God, he, he, does, he thinks that he is there out of the favor of God, But God's got him there to teach him some lessons that he can learn no other way. See, one of the major differences between David and Saul is this. David was prepared for 20 years before he became king of Israel. Saul had no preparation. All of Israel said, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. king." And Samuel said, they want a king. God said, give them a king. And they look for the guy who looked like the best choice in all of Israel, probably was. And he steps in at the request of the people to God for a king. He has no preparation. Initially, he's a pretty humble guy. Initially, he's zealous. Initially, he put some things in order for Israel. But the truth is, he hasn't gone through a cave experience to prepare him with the character To be a king. You can't rule and reign until you're trained. Your cave is your training experience. It's training for reigning. If you want to know how to reign in the kingdom of God, you must go through a cave experience. And so David is there. And I want to just real quickly, I want to give you... um, Four or five things that he learned while he was in the cave. first thing he learned was leadership. Can I say there are many in here today that God is preparing for leadership. And he brings to him, you see the list there, you've heard it before. He brought the folks that were in distress, the folks that were in debt, and the folks that were discontented. People that were mad at Saul, people that couldn't pay their taxes, people that were just plain outlaws. These were bad hombres. And David gets to be their pastor. See, David has, has shepherded sheep. Now he gets to learn what's like to shepherd people. Okay, It's a big difference. Maybe not that big difference, but it's a difference. And so he is getting ready to learn how, what it means to lead people. In time, that group will swell to 600 men and families, and they, they actually become a community. There there is a real oneness that that will develop out of this cave dwelling. How, How many of you know misery usually draws company to it? It likes company. But the people you go through difficult times with together will be friends for the rest of your life. Lisa and I were talking about this. Some of our closest friends are people that we went through a season of life where we were raising kids together. We were doing things, really hard times in life. And it's those kind of people that you know are your friends and you can count on. Second thing David learned in the cave is he learned to wait on God again. I think the palace is probably a whole lot like life in America. A whole lot of activity. A whole lot going on. A whole lot of people kind of pulling on you for this, pulling on you for that. And David was once again returned back to simplicity and solitude like he was as a shepherd boy in a cave, waiting What until I learn what God will do for me. One of the phrases in the Scripture you'll see nine times through David is, he inquired of the Lord. David learned how to inquire of the Lord. He learned how to have conversation with God to say, God, I don't know what to do. Help. He learned to ask questions like, God, is this a good thing to do? Is it not? Will we win? Will we not? Will we, I be betrayed to Saul by this group or not? And guess what? God answered him every time. It was only whenever he began to become independent and do things in his own strength that the wheels fell off. Can I get a better amen or an oh me? The third thing is he learned how to shepherd people. His mom and dad are mentioned in this passage here. They 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 were they didn't have safety because Saul would certainly use them to get to David. He'd learn how to pastor his own parents. I bet that was fun. He learned how to pastor. Lead, care for, for soon 600 men and their families. See, God was preparing David to be a shepherd king. And he was going to have to learn how to do that. One of the things he learned how to do was, he learned how to take responsibility for his sin. For the things he had done that it caused other people to hurt. Bless you. You know, one of the things that's really difficult for us to do as leaders is to say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? See, I think it's that tenderness and it's that humility that really releases grace so that we can lead well. Verse 22, it talks about how that a decision he made when he was there with Ahimelech, And he got the the bread and he got the sword. It ended up backfiring because Doeg, the the Edomite, went to Saul and they ended up slaughtering 85 priests and everybody in that deal. The only one that escaped was a guy by the name of Abathar and he came to David. David protected him, but he not only protected him, he said, I was wrong, I am so sorry. Can you imagine having to look at somebody and say, you lost your family because of me. David learned to do the hard things even to his own hurt. He learned that's what a leader does. He learned it in the cave. But one of the things that was most powerful with David is he learned to strengthen himself in the Lord. We'll talk a little bit more about this in days to come. David learned that the way you strengthen yourself is to remind yourself of what God has said. You know, it's easy to doubt in the darkness what you know to be true in the light. And by reminding yourself of the prophetic words that God has spoken to you, that he's given to you, by by saturating yourself in the scripture, it gives you confidence to do the right thing, to do the God thing, to live in power, to have the right perspective, even when you are in a dark time. Let me say this. The cave of Adullam is a season. It is not meant to be a prolonged period, the rest of your life thing. Okay? But it's a necessary season to prepare you for the bigger thing that God has for you. And so you can't skip it or you'll end up like Saul. Because he he didn't have the steel. He didn't have the fiber to do what God was calling him to do. Because it's training for reigning it's training for royalty if you if you can handle 400 outlaws then you you'll probably do okay as the king now i want to give i want to close by sharing a passage if you i think we have it on the overhead psalm 57 psalm 57 is a passage that david wrote when he had fled from Saul into the cave. In fact, you you can read on the inscription and it says that. Let's, let's, Let's read this together here. It says, or I'll read it and you can follow with me. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I take refuge in the shadow of your wings." Until the disaster is passed. I take refuge in your the shadow of your wings until the disaster is passed. And I want to tell you what: the disaster will pass. He goes on, he says, I cry out to the God, to God most high, to God who vindicates me, who sins from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. Can I tell you what he's saying here? He's saying that, I, I love that song uh, about fighting about our battles. This is how I fight my battles. And, and this is, could very well be the uh, prescription of this passage right here because he says it's the love and it's the faithfulness of God that fights my battles. See, when you get that right, that God loves me, God's for me, God's good all the time, it doesn't matter whether you're on the run. It doesn't matter whether you're foraging for food in caves. It doesn't matter because God is good and His love and His faithfulness will fight your battles. But the preceding verse, he says, it's because He is our refuge. See, he's saying the cave's a good thing because we get to run to God and say, yes, I'm safe. Uh, this one old deal here, it says, in the shadow of your wings. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant. He's saying we are safe in the presence of God. Do you know why you feel safe in here when we're worshiping together? presence of God has just become your refuge. All of a sudden, all the junk of the week, all the stuff that you're dealing with falls away. David goes on. Let's, let's move on to verse 7. He's already said, said all of these horrible things are happening. Verse 6, he says, "...they spread out a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but, I've, but they've fallen into it themselves." My heart, oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. He says, I choose to sing and make music in the cave. The next verse says, awake, my soul. Awake. Some of us just need to say, awake, soul. Come alive. I want to be me. I want to be who I really am. I'm not depressed, down in the doldrums beat up, discouraged, the enemy winning. No, I'm going through a time that if I will allow the presence of God to be my refuge, if I will allow his love and faithfulness to fight my battles, I will become all that God has created me to be. He goes on in verse nine, he says, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples for great is your love, reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the sky. That's how you fight your battles. His love, his faithfulness. And he closes, he says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over the earth. How many of you this morning say, God, I would would like for you to fight my battles. I'm a little weary, but I'm I'm gonna let you fight my battles. Anybody here? If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. We're just going to make a good declaration together. If you believe it, repeat it after me. I'll say it and you can repeat it back. Father, I take refuge in you. You are my cave, you are my, you are my stronghold. I declare that your love and faithfulness always fight my battles. I've got some battles. I'm asking for your love and faithfulness. I repent of my wrong perspective, of my negative confessions. Like, why did you let this happen? Uh oh. I replace discouragement and fear with thanksgiving for God's love and faithfulness. I say awake soul come alive be all that you've created me to be God praise and worship is my way out Panic, fear, and discouragement. I thank you for preparing me to lead, to wait on you, Lord, to shepherd others, and to develop a responsive heart. I will exalt you in all the heavens. I will glorify your name in all the earth. Lord, we just say, may it be so in this place. God, may we take our cave experiences, Lord, and come out in victory, training for reigning. Just bless your church this day. We receive your goodness. And we say, fight our battles in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you, any any need you have this morning, you have need for healing this morning, if you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, whatever your need is, we're going to invite some of our prayer people to come forward at this time. They'll be available. We're going to worship the Lord. Joel, we're going to release people at this time for encouragement, not yet. So let's just take some time and let's ask the Lord to fight our battles in praise and worship. Come forward and receive.